0: Hello everyone and welcome to Millennial Learns. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We were taking a little break from our state podcast episodes. I'm trying to sprinkle them in, but I have some other topics in there as well. And this week I wanted to talk about communion, like church communion, taking communion, and what the different practices are between Catholics, Protestants, and within Protestantism. what denominations do what with communion, because it really varies a ton. And I guess just a background of why I wanted to research this is because, um, I've started and my family has started doing basically like a home church. And so every week we all gather together and my uncle gives, you know, like a word from the scripture and then we all take communion. And I was thinking about how Like, in a lot of the Protestant or non-denominational churches that I go to, communion does happen a lot of times, but it's very sporadic. And in Catholic church, it happens every single week. And I know that it means very different things. There's a lot of debate within, you know, interpretation of Scripture, but what certain words are interpreted as, as to what the significance of communion actually is. Um, And we'll get into all that. So, this week we are going over communion like all things communion where it came from where it's referenced in in scripture and the difference between catholics and protestants in this area so i hope you enjoy the episode and let's get right into it Okay, first things first, I thought it was a good idea to just gather the places in Scripture, in the Bible, that it talks about communion. So it's in the New Testament because it originated, obviously, in the New Testament when the, you know, at the Last Supper, when Jesus, you know, basically told them and taught them what communion is, uh, he, you know, took the bread and the wine and said, do this in memory of me. But let me just read the actual scripture references where this is referenced. So the first one is Matthew twenty-six, verses twenty-six to twenty-eight. It says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it all of you, for this is the for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so that's the first one. Then in Luke twenty two nineteen through 20, it is, you know, referencing the same event. It says, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So that is the actual event when it happened in the New Testament of Jesus teaching the disciples, basically how to go about communion this is the first communion then in first corinthians it's referenced a couple times uh first corinthians 10 16 said the cup of blessing that we bless sorry the cup of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of christ the bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of christ and then first corinthians 11 26 for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes so that is an important point of like the point of communion, you know, waiting and proclaiming the Lord's death and the resurrection and that he will come again. So, and then the last one is Acts 2:42 and they devoted themselves and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So, it was definitely a big part of the early church to take communion. And not only was it proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes back, but also it is a unity, it, it serves as a unification of the church, which is where the term communion comes from, really, because you're being in communion with others. You are gathering together with the church and playing a part in the broader body of Christ. So um, I wanted to look at how different denominations treat communion. Because this has been a big debate in my mind for quite some time. I basically started this podcast based off of Protestant versus Catholic doctrinal differences that I wanted to explore. Obviously, I have gotten away from that a little bit. But I do like revisiting these things. And and the reason I got away from that is just because I still don't know. Like, I kind of thought that as I was going through these, I would like do a bunch of research, get a bunch of, you know, facts and opinions and all this stuff, and then be able to just make my mind up of what I believe kind of fully and be able to to reiterate that. And I could go through a lot of the doctrinal things. And I always wanted to do like faith, politics, and history for the podcast. And all my faith ones were like doctrinal differences between Catholics and, and Protestants, but it just gets really complicated. Like it's not so straightforward. Every time we take communion, I think about like, what this represents. And before I get too deep into that, let's talk about what Catholics and Protestants actually believe because then it can preface my, you know, we can use that to preface like my thoughts on it, my views on it, where I'm at today, all of that stuff. So let's start with Catholics. They use real wine and believe that the actual bread and wine transform spiritually into the actual blood and body of Christ. So, I found this article so I don't misrepresent it. I don't want to misrepresent any of this. So, I pulled up this article from udayton.edu. I will link it in the description. And uh, let's talk about what Catholics actually believe. Okay. Well, this is kind of about actually what it says why communion matters in catholic life and what it means to be denied the eucharist okay so this says the biannual u.s catholic bishops meeting received more than its usual attention this june this was written in 2021 due to one particular item on its agenda a proposed document on the sacrament of the eucharist a ritual also known as holy communion so in catholicism there's the seven sacraments and one of them is sacrament of the eucharist so if you hear it referred to as that that means holy communion It says, because this as yet unwritten document is expected to include guidance on when and whether Holy Communion may be refused to a Catholic who presents her or himself in a manifest state of serious sin, this church matter received note from the pages of national newspapers. It also prompted a statement of principles from 60 Democratic Catholics in the U.S. House of Representatives, urging bishops to not move forward and deny this most holy of all sacraments. So I'm pretty sure that this was rooted in the abortion debate. I heard a lot of scuttle about this uh, because Catholics view abortion as a sin. Anyone who is actively promoting it or like, for example, they were kind of arguing that Joe Biden, because he's an outspoken advocate of abortion, should not be able to receive the Eucharist. Very, very interesting because part of the Catholic belief is that you need to be not in a state of serious sin. So if you have someone against if you have something against a brother, you know, you go resolve that before you take the body of Christ. You need to confess. A lot of people do confession before uh communion because you are supposed to you know, not be in a state of sin when you're receiving Christ. So that was kind of the debate and this being in 2021 kind of I remember this You know, there being discussions about, okay, can Catholics refuse Joe Biden or can priests be able to refuse the Eucharist to Joe Biden? This says, as a scholar of Catholic sacramental theology, let me offer some thoughts on the central role of Holy Communion in the Catholic Church and the pain it can cause some members to be denied reception of it. One of the seven sacraments of the Catholic Church, the Eucharist, is a ritual in which, according to Catholic theology... Bread and wine, blessed by a priest, really become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Such is its central role in Catholicism, it has been called the fount and apex of the whole Christian life. So this is not really just like another sacrament or another thing you do at church, another part of Mass, just like, you know, that you can throw away. This is, as far as Catholics believe, basically the central thing, the central part of their faith life, because it is accepting Jesus Christ in, you know, body, blood, soul, and divinity each week. That's a big deal. If you think that the bread and wine, once it's blessed, become the actual body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, and you are accepting Jesus every week, that is the apex of your Christian walk. So it is... There's a huge, huge emphasis placed on the Eucharist in Catholicism. That is like, I feel like the first difference between Catholicism and Protestantism in this area. And we'll get into the Protestant side, um, but it is just not, the same emphasis is not placed on it. Okay, Catholics are obliged to receive communion at least once a year, but in practice, many do so far more frequently during mass or Catholic public worship. I was not aware of the once a year rule. I think that's really interesting because it is offered every week. And again, you're not supposed to go up and accept it unless you have confessed your sins or have, you know, resolved things with people or are living not in a state of sin. Okay, it goes on a little bit more about, you know, why... It could be, you know, not good for some people to be denied this. But then it starts talking about the Eucharist in early Christianity. It said, In the formative years of Christianity around 2,000 years ago, the practice of ritual meals was already common in both Jewish and Greco-Roman culture. Early Christian Eucharistic practice took seriously the ritual power of a meal to transport participants beyond the physical world by connecting them to both past events and spiritual realities. Early Christian Okay, wait. Sorry. Jesus shared many meals throughout his time on earth, culminating in his last supper, during which, according to biblical passages, he instructed followers to share bread and wine, saying, "This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me." So we went over that with the Christian or with the biblical references to where this practice comes from. It says early followers of Jesus worshiped in synagogues and continued to take part in Jewish rituals. Thus, the Eucharist flowed from the same stream as the Passover cedar in which Jewish tradition says each person is to regard him or herself as having been personally freed from slavery in Egypt. Yet Christian ritual meals were unique because they were centered on Jesus, a crucified victim of the Roman Empire, whom Christians believe passed over death to be resurrected by God. Okay, so that's about the Eucharist, like, meal. Now it talks about the body of Christ. It says, The whole structure of the Mass, which normally culminates in reception of communion, is about thrusting participants into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus so that they may see the death and resurrection shape of life in the world. Catholic theology distinguishes three ways of speaking of the body of Christ – All rooted in the Bible. There is the historical Jesus who walked the earth, the body of Christ that is present in the bread and wine of the Eucharist, and finally the assembly of people who, as Saint Paul the Apostle put it, are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So again, this is talking about how by taking communion and by participating in the sacrament, you are unifying with the rest of the body of Christ. Also, (laughs) will is next to me taking a nap and he just kind of rustled and is like making all sorts of sounds and grunts and things. So, okay. Um, one second, I'll be right back. (laughs) Okay. He needed some white noise. So I have moved to another room and I'm watching him on the monitor. So let's get back into it. (laughs) But basically the whole point of that was that Catholics believe, it says Catholics believe that when one consumes the Eucharist, one is incorporated into Christ and becomes bonded to others who are also part of the body of Christ on earth. It is not simply a matter of individual belief, but of church unity and the mission of being Christ in the world. To set oneself outside of the practice of communion or to be set outside by another is to be set apart from the very practice that incorporates one into the body of Christ. So basically this whole article that I found is, is arguing that communion should not be denied to anyone. And I do think that's a very slippery slope about who, like, if a priest can deny communion from someone because they know that they have a certain stance on something, I think it's a pretty slippery slope. Now, that being said, I don't think you should receive communion if you are advocating for, like, abortion um, and you are trying to be part of the Catholic Church. You know, that is one of their tenets, but it really probably should be up to you. To just say, like, I'm I think this, it's not a church doctrine. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. It seems like a very slippery slope, though, for priests to like look at your life, judge your life, and say, Oh, I saw you do this or I saw you say this, and so you can't have communion, which is our core tenant, basically, of our faith. That seems weird. Okay, so that's the Catholic side. Then let's talk about the Protestant. Side now, there is it varies widely by denomination, and we'll go over what the denom- denominations do. Because I've been to churches where they use wine, I've been to churches where they use juice. I've had like these little communion packets. They've had like sourdough bread. Um, there's many different ways that you can actually take communion, depending and what they think it represents, depending on the denomination that you are a part of, but let's start off with just what uh, communion is for most of like non-denominational or Protestant uh, churches. So, uh, let's see. Communion is a common practice in the Christian church. Uh, Wine and bread are necessary, it says. Christians follow communion and take part in communion because Jesus asked people to follow it in a ritual. In fact, Christ and Christians... Do it to remember his existence? This is kind of a, not a great article, but whatever. The simplest answer um, to do non-denominational churches offer communion, the simplest answer to this question is yes. Uh, the concept is prevalent in non-denominational churches. However, it is true that a non-denominational church is based on an evangelical approach and has conservative theology since okay this is like a terrible article i'm realizing as i actually read it out loud like the uh, answers seemed pretty good when i skimmed it but it is not a well written article at all um but basically in a non denominational church the pastor is the one who like calls communion ushers usually pass around like the wine and the bread Again, it can sometimes be juice, sometimes be crackers, sometimes be bread. You know, it varies more than the traditional Catholic communion, which, by the way, I didn't really mention. In the Catholic kind of ceremony of it, it's very, very structured in the Catholic Church where the priest blesses the food, raises up the bread and the wine, like says specific blessings over it. They eat the food first. He, you know... Uh, gives communion to, like, the servers, then they go out and give it to the rest of the congregation. So it's very, very structured in Catholic churches. Now, in non-denominational churches, it is much less... I mean, usually, it's much more low-key. Like, I've seen it where just baskets of bread are just out. You take one as you go in. Again, like the little capsules where it has both bread and wine, I've seen. So it's a lot less... Formal, I would say in non-denominational churches and then also a big thing is that instead of whereas Catholics believe that it does physically like become the the actual body blood divinity of Jesus Christ non-denominational churches believe that it is representative like a symbol of Christ and that we're taking it as a symbol of you know to proclaim Jesus's death resurrection and his eventual Return. So it is not physically or spiritually Him Himself. It's like a symbolic representation of Christ and a symbol of our faith. So that is the non denominational approach. Now, where, let's talk about where each denomination differs from each other. So this article from themountaineer.com, I'm not going to shout out, honestly, the other <laughs> article because it's just not well written, but I will link it in the description if you want to go read, read it because there is more information in there. I basically very much skimmed that article because I have more, um, I have more experience with like, non-denominational churches at this point, so I'm able to just speak to it and just reference that article, but I will link it below. Anyway, okay, let's go through each denomination. So Lutheran is the first one that they list. It says Lutheran beliefs are similar to those of Catholics, but there are some differences in the vocabulary used to describe the Eucharist. This term transubstantiation is not used in the Lutheran church to describe the change of the bread and wine into Christ. So again, that's the big difference is that non-denominational or Protestant, which or Lutheran, you know, this Lutheran denomination, does not believe that it is actually transformed into Jesus. It is a symbol. So transubstantiation is what Catholics believe when it changes into Jesus. It says, furthermore, Catholics maintain the practice of reserving communion wafers in the tabernacle, believing that Christ is still present. That's another thing. This is actually more informative than some of the Catholic articles. After communion for Catholics, they... Because they believe that Christ is, that is Christ, they put the extra or leftover wafers into this gold box called the tabernacle, because that is where Jesus and where God is like housed. So because they believe in transubstantiation, they need to house the wafers after the blessing in the tabernacle. Uh, Lutherans do not believe that the presence of Christ continues in the bread and wine after the time of the Eucharist celebration, okay? Orthodox Christians believe that the Eucharist is a sacrament, but they refer to it as a mystery rather than a sacrament. It says followers accept the real presence of the Eucharist, but do not attempt to explain how this change occurs. The service is commonly known as the divine liturgy in many Orthodox churches. So very interesting. They just don't attempt to explain how it changes but they think that it changes during the ceremony reformed christian and presbyterians uh have a different view of the eucharist derived from the teachings of john calvin reformed and presbyterian churches teach that christ is not literally present in the bread and wine presbyterians believe that christ is spiritually present and is received with the power of the holy spirit for the faithful so, instead of it being the body, blood and divinity, they think it's basically just the divinity of Christ, not physically, not that he's like physically there. Um okay, and then Baptists and other denominations are like similar denominations, a lot of non-denominational. Um they largely view the Lord's Supper as a remembrance of Christ's suffering, according to the spiritual resource Christianity in View, many Many deny any form of physical or spiritual presence of Christ in the bread and wine. So this is the type of church that I have always gone to, like, that I've been exposed to. And I think a lot of it is, like, regional. I feel like there's not a lot of Baptist churches around here, at least from what I've gone to or seen. I feel like the Baptist thing is more Southern. um, But I have been to a lot of non-denominational churches, and from what I can gather... Most of them just view it as a symbolic representation of Christ's suffering and, like, the unity of the church, I would say, probably. Um, But they do not think that Jesus is either physically or spiritually in the bread or wine. They just think it's a a symbol. Uh, In addition to the practices reserved for each denomination, there may be other rules regarding the celebration of Mass and the Eucharist. For example, the Vatican mandates that only Roman Catholics who are in good standing with the Church and are free from mortal sin are allowed to participate in the Eucharist. In addition, Catholics must fast for an hour before receiving communion, while some churches make communion open to any Christian. Yeah, I didn't even know about the fasting for an hour before receiving communion. I'm sure I learned that at some point in my Catholic education and my confirmation classes and communion classes and stuff like that, but I did not know that. I'm sure I've broken that quite a few times. Um but yeah, so if you're not Catholic or if you uh are not free from mortal sin, you're supposed to just go up with your arms crossed in a Catholic church and get a blessing from the priest, but not accept communion, not accept the Eucharist, but for a lot of non-denominationals and especially Baptists, uh, and like non-denominational groups, um, a lot of times you can just receive communion if you're a Christian, like there's no, any denomination, any faith, there's no real stipulations on who can receive the Eucharist. Some churches offer communion every day or once per week. Others do it less often. Celebrants may walk up to the altar to receive communion from the common cup and bowl while others pass around the Eucharist. Um, So, yeah, so it's different between churches. Now, let's talk about how I see communion because it's definitely been kind of a major thing that I've, like, debated and tried to figure out my views on. And I am not sure what I think at this point. But I'm more, I more believe that it's just a symbol of Christ's death, resurrection, and proclaiming that he will come again, proclaiming your belief in him. So, okay, so let's back up. I was raised Catholic. I had my first communion in like a formal first communion ceremony, did the whole thing with like the white dress, went and did my confession, and then went and got communion. Over time, as I've grown up, my family has kind of migrated away from Catholicism based on like some doctrinal things that we don't really agree with. But I think that some of my family for communion do believe in the more Catholic beliefs that it is physically Jesus. But I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure about what what my family members think, but that is the Catholic belief And I don't know, but now we go to a home church once a week and we take communion every week and it's just like crackers and wine or grape juice and it's not the formal Catholic blessing and we don't, you know, we basically are saying, yeah, do this in memory of me. And to me, it feels very much like it's a symbolic act of remembering Jesus, remembering his death, remembering his resurrection so, I am more on the symbolic side. However, I have heard lots of, of things and researched a lot. Well, I haven't researched a ton, but I've heard of many instances of Eucharistic miracles in the Catholic Church. So, like, they'll have it in the tabernacle and it'll be bleeding or, um, like, it'll look like a beating heart or something. Like, there's definitely all these miracles documented um, about the Eucharist basically suggesting like if it's bleeding that it is actual flesh and blood of Jesus so I mean there's something to be said about that as well and I think I think they've got to be able to perform a miracle with the Eucharist either way like whether Jesus is fully if that is Jesus's blood and body or if the spirit is in the bread and wine anyway so I think I am. I think my belief is that it is a symbol that there is not, that Jesus is not actually in the physical bread and wine, but that it is extremely important to participate in communion because we are playing a part in the body of Christ and unifying with other Christians and proclaiming our faith that he died, was resurrected and will come again. So I like the fact that communions, or er, communions, wow, the Catholics basically always say communion. Every week communion is offered, and the entire mass is, is really centered on communion and taking the Eucharist, which I like. I don't like that a lot of non-denominational churches only do it sporadically, or it seems like an afterthought, kind of. I like that the focus of Catholicism is, or at least of Mass, is taking the Eucharist and communing with Jesus and with the rest of the believers and with the rest of the church. So I think it's very, very important to the faith to remember that he died for us, rose for us, you know, and he's coming again. And we will proclaim that until he comes again and i do feel extremely unified like even just with our home church like which is just our family i do feel extremely unified when we're all taking communion and saying like do this in memory of me we are proclaiming this as a kind of as a family unit like we are one in the body of christ so i think it's extremely important in the faith to have and i wish more protestant or non-denominational churches would would take communion more seriously and do it more often and really like I don't think I've heard one message about communion about the importance of communion in a non-denominational church and I think that's a shame because I think a lot of people don't really know what it means don't really know what's happening with it what they believe about it anything like that so those are my thoughts uh, that is my communion episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I like doing these ones where it highlights like differences between faith practices, because I'm just fascinated by all of that and try to figure out kind of where I fall on that spectrum. So that is all for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for watching. Make sure to subscribe or follow the podcast and leave a review if you're feeling generous. Uh, I want to know how you're, how you're liking the pod. So thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye everyone.